0: So there are about 4 billion religions out in the world, and with more and more coming out every single day, I'm here to try and find out which is the true religion. So bear with me, right? You have to have some sort of open mind or, you know, a theoretical belief in God before listening to this, because if you're going to talk religion, you have to have some sort of want or desire to find out if there is a god right even if you don't believe in god but if you're like so stuck on your answer that you don't believe in god then that's you know on you and i don't think this podcast will make any sense to you just because if i feel like people who don't believe and i'm not even i'm not saying this like you know thinking beforehand before knowing i say this because many people who have claimed to be atheists and i've spoken to or I've had an encounter with, they're just, religion to them is such a stupid and idiotic thing. Like, the way that people speak to me sometimes, like, they'll be like, you're a full-grown adult, and you're, you think like this? That's so embarrassing. Like, that's so embarrassing for you. So, I don't know if it's really gonna work out for you if you don't believe in God and you listen to this. On the other hand, though, if you do believe in God, if you have some sort of question or th- even theoretically if you're willing to theoretically believe in God, then you've come to the right place. So the word religion, what does it mean to you, right? Does it mean going to church with your mom on Sunday? Um does it mean, you know, believing in something that you don't really believe, that you stopped believing a long time ago because, you know, you kind of came to that conclusion when you were younger, but you're still doing it for your parents? Or maybe you're still doing it because you don't want to get disowned by your family. You don't want to have a different opinion than your family, you know. John Z. Smith says, um, religion is not a native category. And when I first heard this, when I first saw this, I was like, that's so true. Like, actually. Because to me, like, when he said that, it means, you know, you cannot categorize religion you can't say that religion has a specific definition because it doesn't and what do i mean by this religion is simply what you make of it religion is just like anything could be religion like okay the word religion and ritual are so similar in the same sense you can have a ritual every single day like ritual doesn't have to be culty it doesn't have to in like involve candles fire all these scary things like these latin words whatever like like we see on tv right a ritual can simply be you waking up every morning and having the same daily routine brushing your teeth and then doing your skincare doing your skincare is considered a ritual you know your commute to work is considered a ritual in the same sense religion is just what you make your religion another thing that you have to take into consideration is culture religion has a lot to do with culture and tradition it can also be like a family heirloom a lot of the people that i ask like okay why do you like okay for example I've asked a couple people from different uh, religions, like, why do you believe in what you believe in? What is your moral compass, right? What keeps you going? What drives you to believe in this, to believe in your God, to believe in your deity? Most of the time, more than half of the time, it's simply because their parents did it or do it. Like, for example, I asked this Muslim guy one time, why do you believe in what you believe in, right? Like, what you know, what inspires you to keep going? And he said, I don't know. He literally said, I don't know. (laughs) And you know, that might be a bad representation of, you know, the Islamic community. And I definitely don't want to take, I'm taking it with a grain of salt. It's just with the people that I've had an interaction with. And I've given a lot of people the chance to tell me how they feel. They just, sometimes they don't want to talk about it. Don't want to say anything because, you know, I don't know. That's very personal. So yeah, a lot of people just follow their religion because that's what their parents did and that's beautiful. But like I said, like it's, you know, it's like an heirloom. It's like a tradition, right? And like I said, it it's it's religion. It's not theology. And that's another thing to keep in mind. Religion is not theology. Theology is the study of God, right? The beliefs behind him, why people have faith in him. And a lot of people like okay, for example, a lot of people like to bring up the, the whole argument. If God is good, then why is there evil? I'm going to go more into depth uh, of this answer later on. But simply put, God is good and human. Man is not. Man created religion. God did not create religion. What God created was a specific handbook, a guide that leads you to eternal salvation. He did not say, go out and, um, you know, (laughs) create a mosque, right? Create a church, do this, do that, you know, put fear into the hearts of people. No, he said, go out there and love one another. So we've kind of covered the basics of religion, or at least the idea of religion. So let's get into the main points. I'm going to be using Christianity and Islam as my main points of perspective, um, just because a lot of people like to say that The two are very similar and that we worship the same god christians and muslims do not worship the same god the gospels contradict one another they they very much do um and i'm gonna explain why all right so let's get into the beliefs of each one christianity and um islam so christians believe that we are only saved through christ we will only reach eternal salvation through christ but why so this idea dates back Oh, oh my goodness. It's so long. It goes back all the way to the beginning of time. And I am not, listen, I did my research. I read, oh my goodness. I read all those verses in Leviticus. It's so long. Oh my goodness. Okay. Okay. Let me just, let me just stop whining and get right into it. You need to realize, before I say any of this, you need to realize that these people were real. Moses was real. Abraham was real. These are all historical figures. The same way that all of these philosophical figures existed back in time, so did these biblical, you know, characters. Muhammad existed. I'm, I'm sure the, the humans that inspired a lot of religion did exist. And so, we need to take this into consideration. These are not just fairy tales. None of these scriptures are just some fairy tale that someone decided to write down and lie about. Could be. Like, some things, yeah, maybe. Like, or not lie about, but it was their truth. You know what I mean? Like, it- It was something that they experienced. And it's real people. And you also have to take into consideration the eyewitness accounts. For Christianity, for Hinduism, for Judaism, all these things, like, people actually saw it. We may not have seen it. I mean, we live in a generation that has cameras. Uh, you, you can take videos you can take pictures of anything you see something random you can just record it but they didn't have that back then they had um word of mouth you know they had eyewitness accounts how authentic is this really do we know the background of this person the same thing happened with muhammad like that's that's how we know how he lived right you know he he was an orphan um i forget how but he didn't have a mother or father like figure growing up. I think he had his aunt. Um and same with Jesus. You know, we know he had parents because people said he had parents. <laughs> like and it, it sounds stupid the way that I'm saying it, but like genuinely, right? There was 12 apostles for Jesus. These 12 men for 40 years went out to different areas, different regions to preach about this gospel that they saw. There are four gospels written by four different men giving the same accounts. Of the same man, of Jesus. That's why we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because all four books are these four disciples who decided to sit down and write the same accounts of God, but in their perspective. Alright, so back to the beginning of time. In both Islamic and Christian beliefs, um, God created the earth in six days and rested on the seventh. However, in the words of Nikola Tesla, my mother taught me to seek all truth in the Bible. And that's my main point that I believe that Christianity is the true religion. So, based off of what the Bible tells us, right, God created the heavens and the earth in six days. And when God created man, he made a perfect world. It's said in the book of Genesis, right, in the beginning of the chapters, that God god was one with the earth heaven and earth were once one because it was pure you know he made the cattle he made the trees He made all these fruits man did not have to work to eat it, w- it was right in front of man right and god told adam all of this is yours this is your kingdom to rule over you know and just as long as you're with me you're gonna be okay and then he made woman because he said you know man needs helper it's not good for man to be alone and he so he made him Eve. And then so he told both of them the rules, right? The only rule is that you cannot eat from the tree of knowledge for, of good and bad. Why? Because they're They were babies. Think about it like this. Adam and Eve had the capacity of a mature adult, but had the innocence of children. And, you know, it's believed that they were naked because they were. They were naked. It's said that they were naked. When you put two babies in a tub together, naked, you know, they're siblings, you're washing them. They don't know that they're naked. They just know that they're siblings. They know that they're both human and, you know, they're just innocently playing. That's the same mindset that they had. So the first point, a lot of people like to say, well, okay, if God is good and, you know, fair and whatever... Why did he put the the tree there? Why did he put the temptation there? The reason why God did this is because he is a God of fairness and just. And God proves his word to always be correct by his actions. Think about it like this. If God didn't put the temptation there, if God didn't say, and it's not even like he put it there. He said, they're going to fall. Like, no, he gave them the option to disobey because it was like, you can either follow me or you can do your own thing. Because if he just said, you have to follow me, that's force. That's not love. You know the famous saying that says, if you love someone, let them go? That's exactly what it was. It was like, I love you. So I'm giving you the ability to do whatever you want. I don't want you to love me by force. That's why he did that. That's why he gave them the option. Which leads us to understand what the first sin was. The first sin was not Adam and Eve taking a bite out of the apple. And now, knowing good and bad, the first sin was choosing to do their own human will rather than God's. Because God knew if they had obeyed him, they would stay in perfect, peaceful harmony forever. But because they did their own will which was not God's will, you know, God had to adjust accordingly. And it wasn't, it's just not on man, you know. Since the beginning of time, we are introduced to the devil as well. The whole reason that Eve bit the apple was because Satan was like, oh, God said this was bad. Well, it's actually not bad. If you bite this apple, you're going to be just like God. And Satan does that a lot to us all the time. And that's the whole point of temptation is that Satan is putting things in your ear. I learned how to differentiate When I think that he's trying to get me to fall, rather than when I think that God is trying to tell me something. And the way that you think about it is like this. There is good and there is bad. When you think about good, you think about God, because he is pure. When you think about bad, you think about Satan, because of all the things that he's known for in history. So, the same thing goes for thoughts. If you're thinking, I'm such a failure, you know, I don't deserve this, I don't deserve that, I, you know, whatever. And it is just bad thinking that's definitely not coming from God. God is not trying to put you down. If anything, he's trying to do the opposite. The Bible tells us God gives the spirit of courage. God gives the spirit of bravery. Why do you think all these people go out into the streets and are willing to die for the word? Because God is giving them that spirit of courage and bravery. I mean, the Bible itself tells us that the same spirit that lifted Christ from the dead lives inside of us. A very important detail that I want to mention is that the reason why Satan is so persistent on bringing us down and tearing us down is because that is exactly what he did to himself. So we are told in the Bible that the reason why Satan is in hell or is, you know, it says that he's not in hell yet. Satan is roaming around the earth looking for who to devour the same way that he did with Adam and Eve. Satan was once a beautiful angel in he, it was said that he, you know, he was like an orchestrator in the music uh, field in heaven. And he was a beautiful angel. However, he started to get jealous of God's power. And so he said, well, why can't we, you know, have this power too? And so he decided that he was going to rebel against God. And Michael, the strongest angel in heaven, he, you know, grabbed his army of angels and him and lucifer fought in a fair fight (laughs) and obviously satan lost but just because he lost he wasn't banished to hell just yet that wasn't his end um he was just banished from heaven and so he decided that he was going to start roaming around the earth that's what happened he disguised himself as a serpent and tempted adam and eve so that they could fall just like him because satan knows that God loves his creation. He knows that the only way that he can hurt God is by distancing his children from God. Satan also knows that his end is coming soon. It is said that in the end times, when Jesus comes back, he is going to send Satan into the abyss for all of eternity. But because that is not his end time yet, he can still play around. And like I said, we have the God-given right of free will. We can choose to do whatever we want, so we can choose, you know, to fall into temptation or to stick strongly to god's word and also this is believed i believe by muslims because muslims believe that moses was also a prophet sent by god and genesis was written by moses so after all was said and done god said okay i have to discipline you guys because you disobeyed me and i am your father and like the good father that i am i care about you guys and i want you guys to do better so he told man that he would now have to work for his daily bread every single day. And he told woman that she would have birth pains when she would um give birth. And there he has a very clear explanation to why the punishment is so specific, but I forget and it's very confusing. So fast forward to Noah's time, right? Um, these are descendants of I believe Adam and Eve, obviously. Said in the Bible that they are Are living in a very evil time. It says that God looked down at the earth and he regretted making man because of how evil it was. Now, a lot of people like to think and say, well, how evil was this generation for God to have wanted to wipe them out completely and start anew? There's this book called the Book of Enoch, and it's said to connect and explain why, and honestly, it does make sense, because when you read the book where Noah is mentioned, and I believe, it's, it's one, I think it's Genesis, it's either Genesis or Deuteronomy, one of the books that follow up after the creation of man, in that book, right, it said that there were these giants, and they were called Nephilims, and it it said that they were some sort of fallen angel-like prototype whatever like mix with man so the book of Enoch goes into more detail and it says that the reason why Noah's generation was so evil was because there was these angels up in heaven and they looked down on earth and and it's believed that angels like when we die and go to heaven we still have free will obviously these angels also have free will so they look down at earth, and they fell in love with the daughters of man. They came down to earth, and they started having sex with the women. And obviously, when you mix celestial being with an earthly being, you will not get something good. So these, in the Bible, they're called Nephilim, and it said that they're giants. And in the book of Enoch, it says that because they were so big, they, like, humans humans would try to feed them but because they were so big they resulted in eating people i believe that's what it says and not only did the angels come down and reproduce with women but they also taught them astrology they taught them witchcraft and all of these things they human was not supposed to know but you know, as they were increasing in this knowledge and all of these things kept on happening, God was like, okay, this needs to stop. And that is why um, it was such an evil generation. And he chose Noah because Noah was the one person, him and his family were the one people that decided they, they were still going to try and follow God. Noah did warn the people. He, he told, he was still preaching, telling people, you know, God is telling me that he's going to end the world. And you know, you guys have to like get your lives together. But people were ignoring him. People ignored him until the rain came. Right. But you know, God promises with the sign of the rainbow, he says in the Bible, that um, he will never send down a flood like that again. That is why there's a rainbow after Uh, it rains because it's got... God's promise to the world that he will never end the world again with a flood. So, then we are introduced to Moses. So, Moses was spared from being killed as a child because the Pharaoh had decreed that all Hebrew babies die. And now, this was the Pharaoh of Egypt. However, Moses was found by an Egyptian lady, specifically the Pharaoh's daughter. So, he grew up thinking he was Egyptian. However, when he was older, he started to find out that he was Hebrew and he was not actually Egyptian. And at the time, the Hebrews were being held slaves to the Egyptians, to the pharaohs. Like, they were b- basically building Egypt, but they were treated as cattle. Like, they, it was very inhumane. So... Moses one day saw an interaction between a Hebrew and an Egyptian, and in defense of the Hebrew, he killed the Egyptian. Like, it, like I think he beat him to death, basically, because he was so enraged. So he fled Egypt after this because of what he had done, and in his time in the wilderness, he started a family, and then God spoke to him. God told Moses that he was going to help him bring the Hebrews out of slavery. Now, this dates back to A promise that God had made prior to Moses in between Noah and Moses there was this guy named Abraham now God made a promise to Abraham that he was gonna give him a child and that that child was going to be successful he also promised that he would always look after his people God's people so this was God fulfilling his promise he saw his people being enslaved and he was gonna use someone to free them so anyways we are introduced to (laughs) the Hebrew people's journey to get out of Egypt now, before they escaped, there was this series of events where God was showing his true power to the Pharaoh, to the Egyptians, right? I think there were about 10 parasites that God had sent down to the to the Pharaoh and to the Egyptians. And through each parasite, God had told um, his people how they would conquer it. Like, he was like, I'm going to send down these parasites to defend you guys because these parasites are going to lead you to freedom, But I'm going to help you guys through it. So the Hebrew people weren't really affected by what was happening in Egypt, but the Egyptians and specifically the Pharaoh were. But when we read in the Bible, it says that God had hardened the Pharaoh's heart to say no so that Egypt could see God's true power. Because if not, it would be, you know, too easy. They wouldn't remember who the God of these Hebrews was. And I feel like one of the most, like, popular um like phenomenons in the bible is is the parting of the red sea because it was so crazy the hebrews were on their way out but they were met with this sea right in front of them right and and moses would carry this rod staff with him to help him walk and stuff now right when they reached the red sea the pharaoh had immediately regretted telling them that they could also go. what led to the pharaoh saying yes was basically like god was like okay now this is it's payback time like you sent a decree out to try and kill the hebrew babies i'm gonna send a decree out to kill your baby your first child and that was the pharaoh's first ever baby So obviously it hurt him a lot. But remember, like this was because Pharaoh kept on saying no. And there was certain instances where God had hardened his heart. But there were some instances where it was just like Pharaoh saying, no, I don't want So Pharaoh had regretted letting them go. And right behind them, there were these chariots. Like the Pharaoh was front lead and his chariot men were behind him. They were ready to capture the hebrews again so god tells moses part the red sea and he does and they're and they're running away from him and the second that the last hebrew person made it across the red sea god had sent the red sea back in together and the the men were engulfed by the water all right so after this right their journey to the promised land starts because god said not only am i saving you from slavery i'm also going to give you a land get this he describes it as the land of milk and honey like oh my goodness does this does that not sound so enticing to you like so anyways they make it out on their journey right they're gonna go to this promised land and originally i think it was supposed to only be like 40 days four weeks something like that like it, it was very little tell me why The journey took 40 years and they never even made it to the promised land anyways. Now, this was not because God was lying. This was not because God failed his promise. This was because they chose to be disobedient to God. So basically, right? During this 40 year trip, they are constantly being disobedient and ungrateful to God. They literally got saved out of Egypt right? And there were times where they didn't have like a lot of food, obviously, because they were out in the desert. They were in the wilderness. Whenever they wanted food or drinks, God would provide he would be like okay this is what you have to do you have to go here 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 and whatever like, he, you know like he's a miracle worker so he was like okay you have to turn this into this and or break this rock it'll be water and you'll find water there whatever but the hebrews were getting so impatient that they were like they literally told moses they were like oh uh, why would god bring us here like this is so much work like I'd rather be enslaved than go through this. Because at least when I was enslaved, I was being fed, so. There was also another instance where Moses had gone out to get the Ten Commandments, and he was out speaking to God. Now, when Moses went out to go talk to God, God would, like, it would, he would appear as, like, a cloud, on top of Mount Sinai. So while he was out there doing that, the Hebrew people, because humans, and it's just human nature, humans love to have something in front of them. They, it, like, it's so, I feel like, tedious. To believe in something that you can't see. Humans want to see something. They want to worship a statue. They want to make something. And be like, this. Like, like they want to envision it physically. They, they can't not. You know what I mean? So they told Aaron, Moses' brother, can you make a bronze statue, like a bronze bull, so that we can praise and worship it for getting us out of Egypt, please? Can you imagine? Can you imagine how angry God must have been? He is the one that made it possible for them to be out of egypt they want something that they can see they want a rock basically they wanted a rock to worship rather than a true powerful living god a being with feelings because god god isn't just this guy who made the world he has feelings and there's so many verses like there's one i think it's in jeremiah and it says something along the lines of i I yearned for the day that you would come to me, that you would turn back to me and call me father. But you know, that's just, that's just the way that humans are. So God, of course, he gets mad. And these people, they aren't, they're not only like holding these parties because they're making multiple bronze statues, these bronze gold statues to worship and idolize. And you know, God's whole thing is like, you know you should not have idols because he says that he is god says that he is a jealous god and rightfully so i mean can like put yourself in his shoes right can you imagine you're working so hard to fix a relationship right and it's you it's you and your partner and you guys are trying so hard to fix your relationship and then your partner has the audacity to go yeah like my best friend was with me the whole time like they were the ones that helped me, and then and, and it was you putting in all the work. It was you doing all the dates. It was you, like you know, bringing the romance, bringing that spark back. Like I feel like that's the way. That's the only human way that I can connect, like the situations and try to get true to understand. Anyways, like I said, not only were they worshiping idols, but they were having massive sex orgies, like with multiple groups of people, uh, and it was also like same sex intercourse. Like it was, like it was, <laughs> it was parties, bro. It was like crazy. So rightfully so, God is enraged, and he's like most i'm gonna kill these people like he's like hold me back because i'm gonna kill them moses is like no please like like listen like think about remember your promise to abraham remember how you would always be there for us like please forgive us we're just silly and we're stupid and Moses had seen all this, by the way, because the first time he went to Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments from God, he came back down. When he came back down, he saw all of this happening. And he was so mad. Moses was so upset because Moses understood the true power, the true authority of God. So he smashed the Ten Commandments. And he was like, you guys are so stupid. Like, like you guys are actually dumb. So Moses goes back, And then he gets a second com- like, the second Ten Commandments. And growing up, my mom always told me, God is a God of order. Like, let's say my room was messy she was like michelle god is a god of order god can only thrive in order so get this right this is the first time god has made a promise to someone abraham this is the first time that god has established rules this ten commandment and with rules if someone disobeys there's punishment right and like we have already established when we were talking about the beginning of time god had separated himself from adam and eve when they chose to disobey because he could not no longer like truly 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 be in the same place as them like he was still with them but just not you know living in the same quarters as them so if they sinned their punishment would be um distance from god but they needed to be in communion with god if you're not with god you cannot be fulfilling his promises like it's a two-way street if god is telling you hey i'm gonna be there for you you also have to be there for him you know what I mean? Like, and this is also like another point that I want to bring up. Like a lot of people are always like, well, I don't believe in God because I called out to him and he didn't help me. Like every single time an atheist gives a reason why there is no God. There was always a search in the beginning because you need answers to, f- f- to questions. And they always, not always, but the majority is always like, I called out to him and he wasn't there for me. And that's why. Listen, the Bible tells us, seek and you will find, but only with your whole heart, like your whole heart. Same thing, same thing with the back to the relationships. Like, can you imagine you want to get into a relationship with someone, but you know that they're only in it for your body. They're not in it to get to know you. They're not in it to have a relationship with you. They're in it just for your body. And then that's it. One, two, and done. The same applies for God. If you're calling out to God and he knows that you're only calling out to him to help. And the second that you get the help that you want, that peace and serenity that God brings, you're going to go back to being crazy. You're going to forget who he even is. You're going to forget from what he even brought you from. He's not going to help you. God is not silly. He's not going to hurt his own feelings. You know what I mean? And and another thing, you have to be persistent. Like the Bible tells us, pray without ceasing. If you really want that help, if you're really seeking him with your whole heart, as he says to do, you will consistently pray, God, be there for me, God. And he sees that. He sees the effort. But if it's only like you know one time two times that's that's not caring because when you actually think about it like Uh, like god should be there for me like right now like no you need to put in the effort too i mean same applies like let's say you want to lose weight you have to go to the gym you have to be consistent it can't just be one or two times it has to be consistent for you to see progress same applies okay so rules are set in place an outcome is expected of these people now that they have been given the ten commandments and a promise however these people do not they don't listen like they just don't like like the same way that we don't listen they did not listen either and so god was like okay if you guys sin you're going to be impure But if you want to reach me, you have to be pure. So, this is when the book of Leviticus comes in. Um, In the book of Leviticus, rules are set in place. It's like, okay, if you sin, uh, you have to sacrifice this and this and this. And it's this whole process. I mean, God is very specific. He wants his things, like, he wants his sacrifices very specific. Now, this is where Jesus comes in. God wants it very specific. Like, for example, you need a pure lamb and then you need to get that blood and that will make you clean. This is what Jesus says, right? In uh, Hebrews ten five through 7, it says, look, I have come to do your will. O God, as it is written about me in the scriptures, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. And then that's when he said, I have come to do your will so jesus's purpose is to be the ultimate sacrifice so that when we mess up we don't have to you know do do this very long process of finding the perfect lamb and sacrificing it and again like jesus said i mean these animal sacrifices were never going to atone for the amount of sins that we commit. Another thing is that, right, the Bible says that Jesus is our advocate in front of the Father on judgment day. Jesus will be our advocate. It's kind of like God will be like, okay, I'm going to hold you accountable though, because you knew better and you still did the wrong thing. Jesus will say, but look at what I did on the cross. But look at what I did for him, at what I did for her on the cross. You know, the only reason that we can reach God is through jesus and it says that in the bible too it says no you can jesus says himself he says no one can reach the father except through me now if muslims accept this right if they accept jesus as a prophet if they accept moses as also a man of god why would they not accept the gospel and now this is what is what leads people to believe that we worship the same god because of this but no if god is a god of order he would not make two different gospels you would only have one to follow and if moses right if moses had to go through this process of sacrificing these animals to atone for their sins why why wouldn't it make sense that jesus can do the same i mean there are multiple scriptures in the bible that point to jesus saying i am one with the father he's he literally says um, here it says, John eight twenty four. if God were your father, you would love me for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. This is God's word. There's another scripture also that says, um, I am God's testimony. And listen, I was going through a time where I was, you know, trying to get closer to God and I went through this period of doubt and I was like, how can God be human? Humans are so sinful by nature. So how could it be that he truly did? Come down here on earth and be God and still be human. And so I read the the four Gospels because that is talking about Jesus' life. And he says that. He says, I am God's testimony. If you do not believe in me, you do not believe in God. Because how else can you be saved? I mean, John himself, John the Baptist said, behold, Lamb of God, he who takes away the sins of the world. So why? is jesus the true prophet right why do i believe do christians believe that he is the messiah jesus's birth was first prophesized um about 700 years before he was even born in micah 5 2 christ's birthplace was prophesized it says but you bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of judah out of you will come for me who will be ruler over Israel whose origins are from old from ancient times now you have to remember this. whose origins are old from ancient times when Jesus comes down he uh, you know the law is questioning him they're like we have a, a law set in place from Moses from Abraham and you're over here saying that you are the law and this was because Jesus was performing miracles on the Sabbath and on the Sabbath you're, you're know, supposed to relax and it, they were just saying that it was unlawful. And Jesus goes, before Abraham was, I am. Is that not so hard? Like, oh my goodness. Chills. But, you know, from all the ancient times, before Abraham, Jesus was there. Jesus was one with God. Another prophecy in Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The Virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and call him Immanuel. Now, a lot of people, um, especially Jewish people, who have the belief that the Messiah has not come yet, they they use this. It's kind of like a, you know this is why we believe that jesus is not the messiah his name is not Emmanuel. it doesn't say his name will be Emmanuel. it says you will call him Emmanuel. the name Emmanuel literally means god with us so there you go i don't know what, i don't know what it's like and as mentioned in the prophecy mary the mother of jesus was a virgin now why why was she a virgin right why did it have to be like this jesus needed a human mother to be fully human but he also could not be given a human father because then he would be completely human his father needed Needed to be God the Father, so that he could be both one with God and pure from man. Because you know, like quote unquote, your purity is taken away from you once you lose. You Another know. thing that I want to point out is that even Jesus's death was um, prophesied in Psalm twenty-two, which also Psalm is in the Torah. Um, okay. So, for Judaism, for example, the Jewish Holy Scripture is the Tanakh, and the Tanakh is divided into three different categories, the Torah, the Nevim, and the Ketuvim. And these categories contain most, if not all, of the Old Testament, and most importantly, the Book of Isaiah and the Book of Psalms, both books in which Jesus' death and birth was prophesied. So, it's like, are you guys even reading your own book? And, okay, so Psalm 22 is such, is such a pointer to jesus being him (laughs) and this is also known as a mosaic uh psalm meaning it was written by david but it could be read as jesus speaking so this is what it says my god my god why have you forsaken me but i am a worm and not a man scorned by everyone despised by the people all who see me mock me they hurl insults shaking their heads he trusts in the lord they say let the lord rescue him let him deliver him since he delights in him they pierce my hands and feet all my bones are on display referencing jesus's naked bare body on the people stare and glow over me they divide my clothes among them and cast lots over my garment you cannot say that this was just david messing around and writing a a cute little poem for god like this is genuinely jesus speaking like i don't know what else to say So the phrase right my god my god why have you forsaken me these were one of jesus's last words on the cross it wasn't because jesus thought that god had actually forsaken him i mean he is one with the father he you know he doesn't he knows that god has not forsaken him because he is doing god's will i mean look jesus went through temptation right he was human too he was there's this one there's this one like little interview whatever i forgot the name of the channel but it's on youtube and it's a satanist and he goes um jesus gave up a weekend by dying on the cross." girl be so for real like i despise when people talk about religion and they don't even know what they're talking when you read this right Jesus did not want to die on the cross. He knew he saw the things that they were going to do to him. He knew that they were going to whip him. He knew that they were going to whip him to the point where you could see his bone. He knew that he was going to have to carry that 600-pound cross. He knew that he was going to be nailed to that cross and die there of dehydration. No one, you know, and he was going to be laughed at. But he still did it anyway. He said, God, if this cup can be passed from me, Then let it be so, but if it is your will, I will still do it. Jesus, unlike some of us, did God's will despite knowing the hardships that he would go through. But regardless, in Matthew, verses 27, 45 through 54, about three in the afternoon it says, on the cross, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli Eli, Lema Shabakhnai, which directly translates from Hebrew to, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy. And an important fact to keep in mind is that after the Romans had crucified jesus they also fulfilled isaiah's prophecy and they cast lots over jesus clothes (laughs) literally here it says um in john 19 23 24 they took his clothes divided them into four shares one for each of them with the undergarment remaining this garment was seamless woven in one piece from top to bottom Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened so that the scripture might be fulfilled, that they said. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots over my garment. I mean, reading this, right? Knowing that Jesus fulfilled so many prophecies, Jesus performed miracles and Something to keep in mind is that, like I mentioned before, these are not just some fairy tales that someone decided to sit down and lie about. These are eyewitness accounts. Why would these 12 disciples decide that they were going to go out for 40 years and die the brutal death that they died? Stone to death, spear to death. One was crucified, crucified upside down, because he did not deem himself worthy to die the same death that Jesus did. They died to the end, still proclaiming that Jesus was the true living God that he was the Messiah. But why were they persecuted over? Because they went against the law. Jesus goes against, I mean, literally, you know, there's a reason why it's uh church um, separate from the state, right? I mean, even Jesus himself said, give Caesar's what is Caesar's and give to him what is his. He knows that you cannot combine the law and, you know, faith and, and Jesus and Jesus's law because he is the law. Another point, right, is that I wanted to a- point out is that um a lot of people like to say if jesus claims to be god why does he need to know get to know god because of um luke 2 49 it says Mm -hmm. mary and you know joseph and jesus went to jerusalem for a passover festival and jesus had disappeared for three days and they found him in a synagogue and jesus says why were you searching for me he asked didn't you know i had to be in my father's house but they did not understand what he was saying to them so like I said, a lot of people like to, you know, say if Jesus claims to be God, why does he need to get to know Jesus God? partially. He chose to partially limit his power when he came into the physical to save humanity. This is why as a child, Jesus needed to study the scriptures and get to know the law before him so he could spread the good news. I mean, can you imagine if I came on here? I didn't do my research and I just started speaking about bunch much. I wouldn't know what I was saying. Same applies to him. I mean, yes, he has godly authority because God gave him the authority. He chose to have that authority. But if He doesn't have the knowledge like he can't. do anything with this is why as a child he needed to study the scriptures you know but despite being human as i mentioned before jesus was completely sinless he went through temptation the devil tried to tempt him three times and here's like here's the thing right you need to remember about the devil the devil and his demons are ancient they're old they're so old they've been here since the beginning of time they know how to get you. They know what to say to entice you. I mean, I fall for his little tricks all the freaking time. Who wouldn't? But Jesus did not. And like I was mentioning, like the devil knows the scripture. He's been around long enough to know God's word. So sometimes he uses God's word against godly power. He literally told God, um, you know, doesn't it say in the Bible that he's going to send his angels to catch you? Because he he told Jesus to throw himself off a cliff. And Jesus said, the bible also says you shall not test the lord your god so have Uh, another thing i wanted to mention is that he also like his teachings he never contradicted himself it says teacher this woman was caught in an act of adultery in the law moses commanded us to stone such women Now, what do you say? When they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin to be the first to throw a stone at her. And this is in John 8, 4 through 7. Christ's entire ministry revolved around not judging, but loving and being pure in the eyes of the Lord. Yet Muhammad had 12 wives. One being a six-year-old child bride who he had intercourse with when she was not. Mm. Muhammad was scared, depressed, and suicidal after his angelic encounter. This is another main point that I want to bring up. The upbringing of Muhammad. Now, he had a hard life. I'm not going to take that away from him. But the story goes is that um, Muhammad was in a cave one day. He was spending alone time and he was meditating. When all of a sudden, the angel Gabriel appeared to him and he said, he was uh he pressed him and said read read muhammad, muhammad was illiterate he couldn't read and he couldn't write and this is also why most of the quran is recited and also muhammad says um, i do not know what allah will do to me on the day of judgment i don't know how merciful he will truly be with me i only know what was said to me is this the same angel gabriel who appeared to mary and told her that she was gonna have a child And that he would be the savior of the world. Is this the same angel Gabriel who appeared to the father of John the Baptist? Telling him that, you know, John would be proclaiming the word of God because that's what John did. He would baptize people and also be spreading the good news. And he, John also knew about Jesus. He did not know it was specifically Jesus. But he knew that there was going to be someone better than him stronger than him more knowledgeable than him and the second that he saw jesus he was like that's the one that is who he is another thing you have to remember when jesus was baptized by john a dove literally ascended from heaven and said this is my son who i am pleased with back to Muhammad. Muhammad also preached violence. He said, we shall cast terror into the hearts of those who disbelieve. This is in the Quran. Then kill the, the disbelievers, wherever you find them, capture them and besiege them and lie in, wait for them in each and every ambush. If God created the human species and he loved the human species, he loves us. As Jesus says, why would a message of violence and destruction make sense? As opposed to Jesus, who welcomes sinner and those of many different backgrounds to make them clean, Muhammad's message sounds similar to a man-made, power-hungry message. One prophet lived a sin-free life, perfectly mirroring God, practicing what he preached. And the other did not fully understand his own teachings, nor fully believe that his gospel would even get you to heaven. But what does Jesus say? He says, follow me and you shall have eternal life. And that's a promise. He says in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the father, but by me. And Jesus, like I said, he performed so many miracles. I mean, he made the blind see, the crippled walk, and thousands, including his disciples, according to the scrolls of the Bible, witnessed this. This points to Jesus' Jesus's power being beyond earthly comprehension and capability. Like I said, like how could it be that these 12 men, 40 years, died the way that they did and went through what they went through just for this gospel? I, I mean, there had to have been some No, a lot of people like like to say, you know, Anyone can come and say that they are from God. and But here's what Jesus says. So Jesus was being accused of um, being from Satan because of what he was saying. It, it contradicted what they believed and what they knew. And so this is what Jesus says. He says, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or household divided itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. This is in Matthew 24 through 28. The last and final point that I want to bring up is the sincerity of the Gospels. Muhammad is a prophet appointed by Allah to write the Quran. And uh, this is by Victor W. Watton in the Quran bullet guide. It says, um. The center, the Quran is the center of Islam, occupying a similar status to that of Jesus in Christianity. For Muslims, the Quran is God's word and is the nearest thing there is to a part of God in the world. So as I mentioned before, uh, Muhammad became a prophet through the angel Gabriel. Uh, and the quote unquote angel Gabriel said, recite in the name of thy Lord who created, created man from clot. Recite in the name of thy Lord who taught by pen, taught man what he knew not. Like I said, Muhammad was illiterate. He didn't know. And he was in absolute fear. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Bible also says that, you know, the when angels introduced themselves, they said, fear not because they're scary looking. But Muhammad was in fear. He fled down Mount Hira where he was staying. And he thought he would, he had just experienced a demonic attack. Mary never believed that. When Angel Gabriel appeared to her, Mary never believed that she was going through it a spiritual attack she was like okay i trust you i feel peace anyways the spirit chased him down and said oh muhammad you are the messenger of god and i am the angel gabriel so the quran's depiction of angels is flawed like i said is this the same angel gabriel who appeared to mary who appeared to zachariah father of john the baptist this would contradict each according gospel so as we see in the bible like i said yeah they're scary but not once did anyone think that they had a demonic experience the way that muhammad did So let's see what the Bible has to say about this. Book of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as a servant of righteousness. So as we see here, Satan is well enough capable of disguising himself as an angel of light, proving Muhammad was correct to think so. So if God is the perfect God he says he is and proves to be, why would he send a messenger to preach two different gospels? He wouldn't. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one preached to you. I say again that we have said before, if anyone preaches any other good news than the one you have welcomed, let that person be cursed and this is galatians one six through so 9. like I said, the Tanakh, right as the book of Psalms, as the book of Isaiah, in which prophesied the birth and death of Jesus, right? Another good example of this would be um, Buddhism. Buddha himself told people to seek the truth. And what does Jesus say? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Like The thing I keep on saying is, Muhammad didn't even... Okay, the reason why I'm comparing Jesus and Muhammad so much, right, is because Muhammad is the one who, like, inspired the quran right and he was said to be a messenger of god you can't be preaching about god you can't be saying that you were sent from god and doing all of those things i mean if you believe in the same god that moses believed in, who sent the 10 commandments who was so mad at the israelites for worshiping idols for sinning i mean why would jesus if if the israelites couldn't have sex orgies why would god be happy with muhammad having 12 wives think about it but when you look at Christ, who said he was one with God, who said he was basically God, like, because he is God, and he did all these perfect, he never committed once a sin. He never did any wrongdoings. Like, who do you believe? Anyways, Muhammad himself didn't know if he was going to go to heaven. Like I said, uh, he was like, you know, may Allah have mercy on me. But Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. But what does science say? Science tells us that we need four basic elements to survive. Food, water, air and light. And what does Jesus say? I am the bread of life John six thirty five. I am the living water, John seven thirty seven 37 thirty nine. I am the breath of life, Genesis two seven. I am the light of the world, John eight twelve, and I am the I am Exodus three hundred fourteen and John eighty four fifty nine. So in conclusion, I believe that Christianity is the true religion. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16